Today on a very special edition of the Spotlight, we today on a very special edition of the Spotlight, we have Sergeant First Class J.T. Reinhold. He's a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom and a current recruiter for the Army National Guard. We hear his story next on the Spotlight. beautiful studios of Alathus Realty in downtown Russellville. We welcome you into the spotlight on this Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us here on Veterans Day. My name is Drew Brent. If you're in the market to buy or sell your home, give us a call today. It's 479-968-5668 or cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. I want to dispense with the pleasantries for today because we have a serious conversation to have with a good buddy of mine, JT Reinhold. John, hey. How you doing, man? Thanks for being here, buddy. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. You know, when, when you agreed to come on, I was looking forward to it for a couple of reasons. One, you and I have known each other for a long time. Long time. Six, seven years. At least. Um, yeah. Uh, but there's 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 an even deeper connection there because you served with my brother mm -hmm. in in the National Guard. Were y'all were y'all overseas together? Yeah, we went overseas in 2008 together. Uh, served in Taji, Iraq, uh, for about a nine month tour there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. I get a little bit emotional talking about yeah. overseas just because of how close my brother and I are yeah and and how long he was gone and and I know that there are there are hard conversations for for veterans to have we're going to have those conversations here in a few moments because mm -hmm. you have graciously said that you would you you wanted to talk about everything but the first thing I want to talk about is I ask everybody this question okay um, if you go back and you talk to 10 year old JT Oh boy! And you say, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." Yeah. Is this what ten-year-old JT was thinking of back in the day? Actually, yeah. This is exactly what ten-year-old JT was thinking about. Of course, uh, I also wanted to be an astronaut scuba diver too. So I don't know. That's, there's all, that whole aspect that's involved. An astronaut too, scuba diver uh, soldier. Yeah. So uh, being in the army, because like my dad was in was a soldier, and he. He worked a civilian job, and he worked part-time with the National Guard, too. And and he'd come home in that uniform and stuff, and I'd look at that uniform and think, oh, that's the coolest thing in the world because, like, he can go out in the woods and just disappear, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And then, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I always wanted to be a soldier. So that's, uh, that 10-year-old me probably wanted this in the first place. Is I, I think that it's also so interesting because I, I've talked to a lot of teachers Mm -hmm. in the last few weeks. And one common thread among teachers that I've heard is, if you don't love the people and the students that you're serving, then your heart is just not right for teaching. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel that there's an element of that that's true for soldiers as well. Is that a correct assessment? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You think about, so the if, if you were wanting to go and service a specific community but you didn't like the community you're supposed to be serving how what's the quality of service you're going to give in the first place so like if an individual joins up in the army but they don't actually like the united states then why are they there in the first right. place and then same thing so with like in national guard you have a two-fold mission versus a one federal mission right so 
in the National Guard, you join up if you don't like the state of Arkansas, then why are you there? So, I mean, personally, I mean, I grew up in Arkansas. I mean, you grew up in the free and independent state of Yale County, right? Yes, and, I did. <laughs> and I grew up in Polk County, so we were across the river from each other. And, I mean, I loved, I loved being in Arkansas. I love, I love the natural state. I love everything about this. I love the River Valley region. I love the people that are in it. And so, yeah, so you definitely have to love what you're serving or else there's a service there may not be as good, so. Walk me through the beginning of your career. I remember, I remember when my brother joined up. He was, uh, he came back from basic and I AIT, mm -hmm. um, advanced individual training, um, different <laughs> than when he left. Yeah. Um, talk to me about those early years. Okay, so well, let's go back to the beginning then. So, for me, this journey really started on 9/11. So. I was inside my Dover High School senior mythology class, and I had Mr. Wooten, who was my teacher at that time. We were watching, or we were listening to the lesson, and then Mr. Churchill, who was also a National Guardsman, came over the, he's our principal, uh, came over the intercom and said, teachers, turn your TV on to the station, I think it was Channel 7 or whatever, so, and we had those big brick TVs back then, you remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we were kind, watching them too. Yeah, the kind that if it falls on you, it's probably going to kill you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Even though but it's they're all big. hanging up by two bolts. Uh, I know, there's yeah. two bolts just in the middle of that corner. You know for sure <laughs> somebody's going to die pretty soon. Anyway, right. so uh, turn on the TV just in time uh, to see the towers, and, and one of them was smoking, and, I saw, and we saw that plane crash into the second one. That was, a pretty, that was a pretty dramatic moment for me. And I remember the shock and awe that I felt and the personal attack. Because, like, I mean, you know, and later on, I kind of thought, this must have been what people felt like when Pearl Harbor happened. Yeah. And so when that attack happened, I was I was ready to go right then. And I was wanting to go sign up to the Marine Corps or the Army or something to get overseas and start fighting. But uh, my dad, in all of his wisdom, uh, asked that I went ahead and, Tried to play some football in college first because I, I had scholarships to a few places. Uh, I mean, I was I was probably the biggest guy to come out of Dover in many years. So anyway, so graduated Dover High School and I went and played football at Arkansas Tech for a while. And then I joined up in uh, November 18, 2002 in the Arkansas Army National Guard, Charlie Battery out of Dardanelle. That's what it was. Uh, lots of great people from this community were inside that unit. And... Uh, we went overseas. Our first tours went from, let's see, from Dardanelle, Arkansas, to Fort Hood, Texas, to Fort Polk, Louisiana, and then over to Kuwait. And then we were in, we were in Iraq for close to about 12, 13 months, yeah. and then maybe 14 months, and then we came back and we did a demobilization and came back home. It was a long, it was a really long one. We we ended up having a lot of contact over there. Remember our our unit specifically from Dardanelle felt like it felt like we had way more than our fair share of things happen to us or us getting into things than the all of our surrounding companies and batteries that were from the 39th that came over there and it felt like a uh, it was strange. So yeah but we came back home uh adjusted back into real life 
and I went back over again in 2008. This is where your brother was there. Mm -hmm. But prior to bringing going over with your brother as well, whenever he joined up, I was in this program called RSP. Where I got to yell at your brother for a long time. Right, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, I appreciate that. I tried that to help. I tried to help a lot. And <laughs> he then, deserved uh, it every time. One hundred percent earned that. Yeah, and then uh, so when I was in RSP, I was actually the guy that was. It means recruit sustainment program. It's something that the National Guard puts you in before you go to basic training and then AIT, so you're better prepared for basic training. Whereas you know, you go to an active duty service, they just send you straight there. We want to make sure that you're well prepared before you go. Uh, Anyway, so I had all these people that were going through my program, and then this new deployment was popping up saying that these same guys were about to go overseas that I had been training for so long. And I was like, well, they're not going over without me. Forget that. So I signed up. I was supposed to stay back, but I signed up to go over the second time. Went over the second time, we did a lot of convoy escorts, and we did a lot of uh, barrier missions in Sodder City. Uh, apparently we had a Chris Kyle encounter. I had no idea. There's a guy named, uh, well, there's a guy named McMinn that served with us that made this nice little comment to the Navy SEAL snipers that were working in Sauter City doing Overwatch for us. And later on, ended up finding out that when Chris Kyle wrote his book, he talked about the Arkansas boys and they could barely understand them. It's because of this one guy that was with us that was talking to him. So. Oh, so great. It's one of our guys. Yeah, it's one of our guys. Outstanding. He's actually from not from Russellville area, but he talks like he's from Yale County. So. Hey, Yale County <laughs> folks have a special language. Don't knock it till you try it. No, all right. <laughs> all my best friends seem to be from that area, so it's just how it goes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we came back from that one. I ended up uh, going back to that one weekend a month glory from – for the National Guard so I could start my civilian career off. Became a police officer in Russellville and then now I'm back full time again as a recruiter with the Arkansas Army National Guard and been doing that for about three or four years now. So something that I've noticed about you too, you talk about you know, in two I did not know that you had signed up and volunteered to go in two thousand eight. I did. Um, I I didn't know that about you. Here's something that the folks at home maybe not maybe don't know about you. Mm-hmm. You're also active in serving your church. Oh, yeah. Very active in, in your faith, active mm -hmm. in serving your family, active in serving your country, active mm -hmm. in serving the community as a police officer for several years. Mm -hmm. um, is a soldier's heart synonymous with a servant's heart? I guess ideally it should be. Uh, the whole purpose of service is to put something before yourself. So... Uh, it's hard to, uh, so putting that into words. When it comes to a, a, a person who serves overseas or serves inside a community or something like that, if you're doing that inside and you're doing it for a self-award or self-service or something, then I don't think that it's you're actually serving. Does that make sense? Yeah. So You're doing a job. Yeah, you're just doing a job for a paycheck. It's like, a, you know, as a police officer, it was really rough because the daily struggle of the in and out of going through like doing traffic stops and dealing from these strange highs and lows of adrenaline rushes and and you know at one minute you're chasing a car the next minute you're helping a kid fix his bicycle and putting a band-aid on his knee and the next minute you're getting this guy who was uh beating his wife and getting him out of that house or 
And then uh, next minute you're dealing with the person who's spitting on you because you wear a badge. And then the next minute you're going down and, you know, playing basketball with kids down there, you know, because sometimes actually we do that just simply so we can decompress from the problems that everybody else is causing in the community. And then dealing with the stuff that most people don't hear or see about. And then anyway, so doing things like that, if your heart's not in the right place, it can kind of make you, uh, what's the word, uh, bitter, I guess. So when, when my brother got home, I'm going to touch on something said okay when my brother got home obviously we expected that that there were going to be some differences mm -hmm. obviously we expected that there was going to be uh, the old timers called it shell shock um, we, yeah. we, we anticipated that there was going to be some of that what I didn't anticipate and I'm not sure he did either were the amount of triggers that 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 really existed and when you talk about being a police officer I would think that that would be even doubly difficult because you had served two tours and then and then there's a mm -hmm. whole myriad of triggers where you have to be on such a high adrenaline level and then go home and be low-key even keel dad again mm -hmm. how's that balance how does how, how do you balance it how did you balance it so i have to play a little bit into both of those things um so i remember as a police officer like we always had to be on guard with everybody around us because we're actively looking for the threat all the time, correct? So uh, not knowing exactly where it may come from or if it even exists there in the first place. Sure. So like our encounters with people and like uh, it's just, there's just a thousand things that are always going on in your head. In the military, coming back from a combat tour overseas, the shell shock thing is a real difficult situation because you think about the threat is out there and it is everywhere. So when we were overseas and we had these, and the usually after the firefights and stuff, it actually took a couple of days for things to kind of settle in and realize just what just happened. Because you have those adrenaline peaks that happen. Then after an adrenaline peak, it goes down real low where you're just like so tired and then you just sleep it off for a while. And then you come back up and couple days later after everything's kind of sorted through in your mind you just realize what you went through it kind of makes a permanent ingrained uh fear yeah or under new understanding or like your eyes are opened up to this brand new reality that life is fleeting and or that people really do want to hurt you type stuff and so when you come back home and though you're not in that same place small things and it's hard to even say what they are sometimes can cause your those feelings to just suddenly rush back to the surface again i'll give you an example so <clears throat> we did the fall fest happened just recently downtown yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a great time i was walking around the latest had its awesome booth set up down there with the chili and stuff we had, and, a, fun, we had a big yeah, time down there yeah you did i had a lot of good chili there yeah uh, there was good chili there yeah it was ours really was good the chili. best but it's okay didn't win did it it, it we missed it by um, a handful of votes is what we're told. Just, I mean, le single digits. Okay. Well, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was close. Kudos on the chili maker, whoever that was. That's Brad. And I can't, I can't really? Yeah. Brad and Brent, man, they're killer. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, so we were down in the fall fest area and we were walking around and, you know, for a long time I was fine in a crowd 
uh, as a police officer, I had a lot of troubles in a crowd. But like after I left law enforcement, I kind of started settling down a little bit. And like, I guess in my mind or in my instincts, I had no problems with being in a crowd or having my back to a lot of people and stuff. But then just one moment popped up when I was actually getting my cup and my uh, spoons and stuff. And there was so much stuff that was going on around me at the same time. And I wasn't able to focus on everything that was happening. And there were so many things moving. I had this massive rush of adrenaline pop up inside my, inside me. And I felt like I've got to get out of here. That was the first thing that, that was going through my head is I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. And so uh, I remember like, since something like that hasn't happened in so long, like the people around me were like, why are you getting so frustrated? What's going on? Why, what, what, what's the deal? And so I was like, I just, just, just please just hold this cup or, or something. We got to, let's just go over to the side. And then, so we finally get over to the side and I started like, my heart starts fluttering and stuff. And I'm breathing and breathing and breathing. And then, and then like start calming down. I'm like, okay, everything is okay. Everything is okay. And it's so dumb because the last time I was even overseas was in 2008. It was a long time ago, okay? In the process of like, I mean, the things that have happened since then, everything. And then my, my last time to actually be involved in and even a real bona fide firefight when things were really going bad was in 2005. So... I don't understand still to this day, I have no reason, understanding of why it is that these things are popping up, but uh, but yeah, it still happens even today. Yeah. And I don't understand it. You know, I, I, I cannot relate to that experience in any way. I can only relate it in so much as my brother and I are very close. Mm-hmm. And so we've spent a lot of time together over the years and I've noticed the same thing. Um, and it could be things that I don't, that I would not have anticipated. When he came home in 2008, he was on leave uh, because our grandfather had passed, and he Mm -hmm. came home for two weeks. But unfortunately, when he got in, um, it was around the 4th of July. And so, you know, the firecrackers and all of that going off, you expect that to trigger a response. I, I expected that that would be okay. But then there would be just little things, a, a, a fork hitting the, the floor mm-hmm. of the kitchen. And, you know, there was a sudden jerk and, 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 and aggressive behavior. The families have to learn what the mental toll is on these soldiers. And I also believe that, that there has to be an understanding that this never really goes away. Is there, mm-hmm. uh, has there, I mean... How was that conversation like with your family? I know what it was like for hours. So to me, this seems like the easiest way to talk to or get this understanding through to your family is like, so, cause there's, there's the conversation that you have with them saying these things happen to me. This causes sometimes some crazy things uh, to go off that don't seem normal. Right. And then, but then there's the, the time that passes in between those conversations. And sometimes if you don't fully disclose the things that actually happen so they can understand the gravity of the situation that you're actually going through, even if it's not something that's really all that horrific, but just the emotions that you felt when you're in those situations and how they have changed you, per se, mm-hmm. uh, without fully disclosing that to people or disclosing that to the people that you care about the most, uh, 
they're not gonna understand how to be watching for those triggers and to understand what's actually going on. Instead, they're gonna just interpret it as you're just basically being mean or right. something right now, or you're just uh, you're being unreasonable or you're you're being rude or something like that. Even right. small things like even small things like a person who you feel very close to uh, going on like just making certain comments can even be something that can trigger like it's 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 strange it's very strange i was at dinner and your house mm -hmm. a couple of years ago and somebody yelled just kind of out of the blue mm. and 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 i even noticed then your your heightened sense and the reason that we're focusing on this so much is because with veterans day there's always there's always that appreciation of you know people people at, at sporting events they'll stand they'll have the veterans stand you know they'll, mm -hmm. if, if you've had military service stand and, and everybody applauds everybody claps and and it's this great feel good moment. Mm -hmm. But for people who either were deployed or who had family members deployed, Veterans Day is every single day. It's not a. It's not a necessarily a celebration. Mm -hmm. There's a. There's an honor. There's a respect to it. But there is another yeah. toll that 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 has to be taken into consideration. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that I wanted to make sure that we talked about that was because there's. Don't lose sight of the fact, folks, that we honor Veterans Day, but we should not be doing it once a year. And and, and honoring veterans goes far beyond just having them stand up in the middle of a football game and clapping, honoring veterans is understanding that, that there is a whole process to this. My brother and JT are the, the, are the two veterans that I know the most, and, and they were gone, what, thir it's been 13 years since you were last overseas. Mm -hmm. my, my brother's last deployment, uh, technical deployment, was to Houston for, for hurricane relief. Oh, well, I did that one, too. I mean, yeah, you yeah. went to that one, too. But even then, even then, I mean, just think about the mental toll of this. All right, so you're in war zones, but then you go and, and you're you're serving in this hurricane-ravaged area, and, mm -hmm. and and you're, I mean, that that's not easy emotionally or mentally either. Yeah, see, that's a lot of despair that you see when you go down there. Uh, it was nice that the community came together in Texas. I remember that being a big deal, but, um, yeah, it's a whole different world. Um, you wear a lot of hats, especially when you're in the National Guard. You have to be used to wearing a lot of hats. Um, and I used to tell my soldiers that you have something called this switch, that you need to be able to turn off and on when the time comes, right? And so, and law enforcement is the same thing. When you come home from, from working at the police department, you have to make sure that you turn that switch off because yeah. mama's gonna be mad whenever you come <laughs> home if you treat her like somebody you'd find on the street. So right. uh, anyway, so. Yeah, that uh, and that that hat that you wear whenever you're doing like a disaster relief thing is not the same hat that you wear whenever you're going into a combat action zone. It's also not the same hat you wear when you go to a drill weekend. It's not the same hat you wear when you go to your civilian job. Like there's having that ability to switch between these different these different roles and responsibilities is a pretty big deal. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, so. I want to ask about what life is like now, because life now is a little bit different than yeah. what it was, you know, when you were going all, all over the country and all over the world. Yeah. You're a recruiter now, mm -hmm. um, proud recruiter, um, honored recruiter. Um, have you reacclimated completely? 
I feel like I, I feel like I have. I mean, uh, there's a there's a certain knowledge that exists inside people that have gone and experienced certain things, right? And that's I guess they call that actually wisdom. It's not really knowledge anymore. Um, understanding the what is actually going on outside this nation also creates the ability for me to to be even prouder that I'm a part of this nation. Yeah, uh, seeing like. All of our differences we have, um, Republican, Democrat, uh, the liberal and conservative and all this other stuff, like it, these are all opinions and these are viewpoints, right? But this is the only country in the world where these viewpoints can come together and like somebody's not getting thrown in jail for giving that viewpoint. You know what I mean? Right. So, well, one of the few, I would say. Um, I just, I mean, I look at the stuff going on in other countries and and think about why in the world would somebody want to be in that country dealing with the things that they're dealing with? And after experiencing life, oh, like over in Iraq, that was a, that's a big, huge culture difference between the culture here in the United States of, of more of a freedom, right? But uh, having this basis of spending time overseas and, and doing this and it's kind of give me a lot more broad knowledge about from whenever I come back home, being able to share this with people and understanding that we're just like small specks in the whole world. And, but acclimating back into society itself, I still find myself getting angry about people being upset about certain things. Um, like for instance, uh, <laughs> sometimes standing in line at Walmart for the one person who's actually checking out groceries and stuff like, I actually don't mind standing in line. I've been standing in line for a long time. That's what they do in the military. You stand in a line. Hurry up, right. get, you hurry up and get in that line, and then you wait in that line until it's time for you to do something. So uh, I do feel more at home being out of, like, say, a city where I'm not constantly having cars driving by. Uh, I like being out in the country. I like trees. It's kind of hard to feel say whether or not you're actually acclimated because, honestly, the the life before my 2003 to 2005 deployment, I don't remember a lot of life prior to that. It's almost like it was something else. And whenever I came home, I, I know I changed. My mom even said that she's like, like I was came back a different person. Uh, and I know it changed me, but I don't think that that, change was necessarily good or bad. I think that the acclimation that comes whenever you come back home, God, I'm, I'm wandering around this and I don't know how to actually put it into words. Let me say it this way. Okay, so if acclimating coming back to home, it's not necessarily that you ever really come back home. It's more like that all these places that you've been all these people that you were continuously just add on to who you have become. And so you kind of make yourself fit into the puzzle as that piece, as you go with, even with all the imperfections that have constantly been piled on you throughout your career. So I don't know if there's ever actually an acclimation back into the world. You just continue. Right. You know, I, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of people 
typically talk about their identities being wrapped up in what it is that they do. We've talked about that. I, yeah. I don't know if we mm-hmm. talked about this on the air or off the air. I, I, I can't remember. We, we may have started the show with that. I don't remember. Um, but, you know, you know, my identity is, is you know, this, this boisterous personality with a loud voice. And, you know, but that's not actually, you know, who mm-hmm. I identify as. My, my identity is in, is in, obviously, God, but then also being a dad and being a husband. Yeah. Um, do you also do you also see that? I mean, or is is there a part of you that is straight up your soldier? <laughs> That's a hard. Oh man! So uh, my wife works here at Alethis as well, Christina Ronald. She got her woman. interview from last week. That's she right. did a great job. <laughs> yes, she did. Uh, so you can ask her. Um, pretty well. I mean, I try to be as best a dad, brother, son, all this, but the soldier in me pretty well tends to stay on the surface the whole time. I, so I worked at the Russell Police Department. There's this awesome police officer that came from Dover as well, <clears throat> played football a couple years before me, and uh, his name's Michael Evans. Officer Evans is a really cool guy. Uh, and, like, when I came on to the police department, he kind of mentored me and stuff and kind of took me under his wing. And then there's this time, though, whenever he looked at me, he said, you know, John, you're not a, you're a 100% soldier. And it's kind of hard sometimes to be a soldier and a police officer at the same time because a soldier is something a little bit different. And uh, he's like, you're the only soldier. That is like, not saying like that I couldn't be a police officer. He's just saying that like, he could tell. And then now as I go through my life and I talk to people, they can always tell. I don't understand that specific aspect. To me, it's not being a soldier. To me, it's being a servant. Right. So everything that you that I've done in my life has always been about trying to be of service of something else that's bigger than me. So that, like, in that service, like, say, for instance, the, I, I, serving the church. For instance, I go to the Journey Church, love the Journey Church, a huge fan of it. Um, and all the things, that every way that they've changed and stuff, I've tried to be the, to assist in facilitating in any way I can. Every pastor that I've ever, like I've even uh, gone to, like working in youth groups. I did not like working in youth groups. I don't like being in youth groups, <laughs> right? But when certain people are taking on that leadership role, I know for a fact that they need to have someone that can be in the background to help them, but not in the spotlight, ever in the spotlight. Except so, for now when you're currently on now the spotlight. Now on the spotlight, which right. is, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I always felt like it was my job to be in the what was at one time called like an armor bearer, right? To be the guy that could be behind the scenes to get things done. And the same way, like being in the military, uh, to do the service of the nation or do the service of the state. It's the same way. Just, I don't want to, it's not about being in the spotlight about the stuff. It's about making sure that I can serve something bigger than me and be a part of that. And that is more important than me, yeah. uh, regardless of the cost it takes. That's why I'm saying these problems that I'm, I'm even facing right now, the fact that I got to go do that and do that for my country is far more important and far, uh, exceeds, how to say, it far, uh, it's far more important that I was able to actually do that and be the person who got to do that 
um, to put my country ahead of me, to put my people around me, which that was a huge deal. All the people that served with me, who I, like, even though I don't see them for, God, I haven't seen them in years. There's, I talked to them on the phone. It's like they were still my best friends. And the fact that I was able to serve those people beside me and make sure that they came home safe. That's a, that far, that the cost of what happened to me is nothing compared to being able to make sure that they made it home safe or that my country was able to be successful in its mission or that like the church is successful in what right. it's doing or that the, the city itself is safer than, is, is safe and sound and stuff or that the, that the military just, or the National Guard specifically has the people it needs to, to continue going and stuff. And like being a recruiter, that's, there's a massive toll on you being a recruiter. That yeah. is tough. And so that toll is worth it. My so. brother has said more than once to me um, two things that, that bother him are um, being called a hero or, um, or thank you for your service. He appreciates the thank you for your service. He really, truly mm -hmm. appreciates that. But what he has said to me before is, that's just what I do. That's just what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Very uncomfortable being called a hero. Are you okay with that? Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated question. Um, so being called a hero, I'm not a hero. I... Uh, God, this is going to sound so cliche, so cliche, and I'm sorry about this. Everybody at home, I'm sorry if you've heard this before and stuff, but I'm not a hero, but I've literally served with many of them overseas. And those guys, a lot of the guys that uh, I served with, they really they kept their spirits up, and those guys were heroes to me. The guys that did not make it home, those guys are the real heroes because uh, – that kind of a effect that you have, that ripple that comes from the death of a soldier overseas that goes off among all the other soldiers that are there and, and the home life and everything that happens and realizing, hey, that could have been me and stuff. Those guys who actually paid that ultimate price, that's that was, those guys are the heroes. I, I have two more questions. One's, one's really, really happy. So we can, okay. we, we can boost this up. Sounds have, good. Have some yeah. happiness here because, I, and, and again, and folks, when, when you're watching this, the, the reason that we're doing it this way, especially on Veterans Day, is to make sure that, that we understand what this is and what this costs. Veterans mm -hmm. Day is not one day a year. It is every day for the families who have had people who served. And while it was, I mean, you know, my, my brother served, I, 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 so I didn't feel it as much as, you know, somebody's wives, children did, but I certainly mm -hmm. still still felt it. Of you course know. you did. You know, yeah. anytime that phone rang and it was him or, you know, uh, that mm. collect number, you were always a little bit afraid of what was on the other line. You, I mean, you just, you just never knew. Yeah. So here's the, here's the happy question. Um, you have done all of these things. You've been this servant. You're still a servant. Um, and you've got great kids. Oh yeah. You've got, My a kids great, are amazing. you've got a great yeah. family. I mean, uh -huh. that, that, We've gotten the chance. My wife and I, I mean, my wife and your wife have been friends for umpteen years. Oh, yeah, since they were both kids. Yeah, yeah. so they've known each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. We became friends through that and then through yeah. church and the fact that you were with my brother for, for so long. Mm -hmm. um, 
you got a great family, man. I know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud of them. Brag, uh, brag golly. Up. So, yeah, my daughter. Uh, she's my favorite daughter ever, right? Even though she's my only one. Right. I always told her she's my favorite. My favorite daughter. Favorite daughter. So, right. Yeah. So I've spread the love evenly. Right. Um, <laughs> can't. No one can be my favorite. Right. Uh, so my daughter's. Uh, I mean. Of course she's beautiful she's got her mom's looks so which is a nightmare for a dad uh, <laughs> she's currently right now she's dating a, a very good strong christian man uh from i say man he's in high school still uh from the Russell high school she's a hard worker she uh she goes to a youth group that's actually down in dardanelle um uh, home, I spoke home to church. Them last week. Yeah, yeah, home church youth group. Mm -hmm. uh, she's actually actively serving in one of the leadership roles down there. She is. I mean, that doesn't make you proud. I mean, what, I mean what's, right, exactly. Uh, so yeah. anyway, uh, she's responsible. She takes care of her schoolwork. She still goes to work and stuff. I mean, she's she's amazing. Um, she she's just absolutely amazing. Uh, my son, my oldest son Malachi, he's uh, he's a football player one of the fastest runners over at the Russellville junior high and he's like to, so i have this problem but i think he's probably the best athlete that's ever existed in my life right so right uh when he when he plays football it's just the coolest thing for me to watch and then he goes to track meets and he's like winning all these things and, and he's so smart uh super smart and he's got this great sense of humor and he's like my buddy Right, like right. So we can go places and we can talk, and it's fun to talk to him. Uh, he even has this ability for some reason for like I can open up to him. And I can like talk about this is my problems, man. I got this issue. Uh, he's he's a guy that I'm, I like to talk to, and he's also <clears throat> an avid gamer. Right. So and I love playing Call of Duty Mobile. Right. Yeah. So, Isn't that great? Yeah, but I cheat, so I, I use a tablet and I use an Xbox One controller. You know, I'm that guy. Uh, but. uh like we can sit there and talk, like we can talk about stuff all day long. Um, but he's also real quiet and reserved a lot of times too. And and like I don't know, he's just it's really fun having him around. And he's also my hunting buddy and all this. Like he's 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 very good friend. Right. And he's he's my son, but he's a good friend. And my youngest, Chet. Oh my goodness, he's a little ball of energy. And always, I always have never seen him not be energetic. Yeah. He's got a great sense of humor. He's always exploring things. He looks at the world through wondrous eyes, and he's he's on the robotics team now, at, or in the robotics club at Center Valley Elementary. And he's a uh, he's an amazing artist, and like he's yeah, he's doing good things. He's 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 one of those. Uh, he's going to be the brainchild. Right. He's going to be that kid that makes a, a fortune one day because he invents a brand new kind of cell phone that gets in, like implanted in your ear or something. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. Like him and Elon Musk would probably get along very well talking back and forth. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. But, yeah. I've got some amazing kids. Amazing. I don't know how because, I mean, it's definitely, of, it's definitely the efforts of my wife that have made him so awesome <laughs> uh, because, uh, most of the things I've ever done in my career or in my life have always pulled me away from home. So it's, uh, it's definitely all credit to my wife because she's really good at what she does. So final question, we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Um, what does this day mean to you? Oh, veterans day. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, cause I'm not that guy who, who necessarily needs the thanks to me. I don't, 
to me, for a person who's been overseas, I guess, um, so veteran actually means just an individual who's actually served before, right? Uh, and then you have combat veterans, the ones who've served and gone overseas and fought, right? Uh, to me, the idea of Veterans Day actually makes me think of my dad, uh, my uncles, my grandpa, uh, the generations back of all the soldiers in my family who have uh, gone overseas or fought in some of the wars, the Revolutionary War, the like just all these wars that have fought in the, in the nation. To me, it's a it's time for me to reflect back on that service that have happened through my all the generations of my family and the people I've known. And it's a time for me to remember those that uh, served with me and a reminder to reach out to them and talk to them because uh, make sure they're all okay. But yeah, so the it's nice to have people say thank you for my, thank you for your service and stuff. But at the same time, that's not for me. It's the day that I think of all the other people that were out there, because that was just what I did, you know. Right. But everybody else that's out, that was out there with me, I need to make sure that they're okay right now. So that's what I do on Veterans Day. JT, mm -hmm. this is great, man. Oh yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it brother. again. Let's yeah. do it again. That sounds good. Love you, man. Yeah. That's the spotlight for this Veterans Day. Thanks so much for joining us. Got another spotlight coming your way tomorrow. For now, if you're in the market to buy or sell your home, give us a call today. 479-968-5668. I'm Drew Brent. We'll see you back here tomorrow.